You're listening to audio from Citizens Church located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning, church. I'm Kevin. I'm one of the elders here. And I'm unfamiliar to most of you, so I thought maybe the best way to introduce myself to you is to let you know about my family, because they're far and away the best part of my life. So this is a picture of our family. Uh, My wife Lisa and I, my amazing wife Lisa, and she's seated right over there, we've been married 38 years. We have, yeah, by the grace of God, we have four adult children, three of whom are married, and six grandchildren, ages one to five. And then we have, uh, so a son, his family, they live in Tampa. Our two older daughters live with their families in Richardson, and our youngest daughter is a senior at Texas A&M. I thought that would bring forth a whoop. So that's my tribe, and I love all 14 of them dearly. Didn't you enjoy that introduction video this morning? And just to hear a foreign voice from one of our sisters is representative of the global family of God of which we are a part. And I think it's the intended outcome of what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, from Matthew's gospel, we learn that Jesus fulfills all the promises and hopes God had given his people Israel. And that Jesus is the king and he's sent from heaven to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And this is good news because through Jesus, the kingdom of God has come not only for Israel, but also to all the peoples of the world. So how is this going to be accomplished? John Piper writes, God's kingdom has come, but that alone is not good news until we hear that the king has come to die for his rebellious subjects. Justice will be done. Righteousness will be vindicated. The glory of the king will be upheld. And yet, wonder of wonders, rebels will be pardoned and even adopted into the king's family. Now, this is grace. That because of the saving work of Jesus for us in his death and resurrection, he transforms rebels into sons and daughters. We become his royal sons and daughters. He brings us into his kingdom reign. So therefore, there's no point in you and I trying to be our own kings, building our own kingdoms. By his grace, we've become his kingdom people. And as his royal sons and daughters, we have gladly surrendered to the gracious reign of King Jesus. And then we receive this new identity as salt of the earth and light of the world. So now what do we do? (laughs) We let the light of his grace shine through us, through the good works that we do and the good news that we share, so that all the world may see and that all nations may also believe and experience his grace. This is the kingdom mission of Jesus. So follow the logic. Grace leads to mission. And mission leads to God being glorified among all people. So let me ask, have you received 
this grace from Jesus? Or are you still trying to be the king of your own kingdom? Have you believed the good news of what Jesus has done for you? Because if you have, in his kindness to you, he sends you out to be part of his mission in the world. To be the light of his grace through the good works you do and the good news that you share. Now listen, I know, if you've been around church very long, most of you have already heard this before. But the problem is most of us have still not actually joined in the mission. We make no intentional effort to reach out to people who do not believe in Jesus. And we have all kinds of reasons to explain this. We, we do our own self-evaluation of our mission readiness, and we conclude we just don't have the time or the maturity or the knowledge or the boldness or the love. And I get it. I mean, I feel this way often as well. After I had served 18 years as the planter and lead pastor of Valley Creek Church in Flower Mound, my wife and our, oldest, our youngest daughter had the privilege to move to Shanghai, China, where we served for seven years. And our mission there was to form and lead a discipleship community that would equip nationals for urban church planting. And now that we're back in Texas, we continue to do this as best we can online. But when I first moved to China, I, I was so excited to go. I, I was eager to engage with people and share the gospel and establish this ministry God had put on our heart to do. But after the first several months, all that excitement and adrenaline began to diminish. And just the realities of, of the challenging adjustments of everyday life in a cross-cultural ministry began to reveal the cracks in my character. On one occasion, I was going to an unfamiliar part of the city to meet with a new friend. And you've got to remember, Shanghai's population is 24 million people. That's about the equivalent of Australia. And it's quite intimidating for a newcomer. And after my meeting, I was walking in the direction that I thought would take me back to the subway. But after 30 minutes of just wandering around and no GPS, I mean, I realized I'm lost. And it was frustrating. So after another minute of frantically trying to wave down a taxi, one pulled over, and I got in, and with my terrible Chinese, did the best I could to explain how to get to my, my address. And he assured me he understood, but I was not at all convinced. <clears throat> And so off we go. And as my frustrations increased, I realized the more frequently I was repeating to him my address each time with a little more firmness, thinking that that's going to help. And along the way, I had these terribly judgmental thoughts about the driver, and then about the city, and then about the environment, then about the government, and I was just getting out of control. And after driving for nearly an hour and seeing nothing familiar, I was, I was finally just losing it. I was angry. I was frantic. I insisted he pull over, and I paid, and I got out. And I was standing there on a busy sidewalk, my heart raging against God. Why don't you help me? Why, why have you brought me here? What am I doing here? That's how I felt. Welcome to the, the glories of missionary service. In that moment, honestly, I didn't care about the nations anymore. I didn't care about the gospel anymore. I wasn't even sure I was saved anymore. 
just wanted to go home, take a shower, and eat pasta. So obviously I made it home, and eventually there was repentance. And yet, God, he already knew all that about me. And yet, he still sent me. Despite my weaknesses, my immaturity, my lack of love, he still sent me. And by his grace, he eventually accomplished his work through me. I mean, thankfully, God does not exclude weak people. In fact, those are the only people he includes. Because he does not evaluate the failures of his people, but the victories of his son. And so it is entirely by grace that he sends us, his weak and perfect people, on his mission. He sends out his kingdom people to join his kingdom mission so that all nations may receive the saving grace from King Jesus. So this morning, what I would like for us to look at together is this theme in the Bible of God as a sending God. So let's begin with Abraham. God, in his grace for Abraham, sent him far away from his homeland to make him into a great nation in order to bless him so that he could be a blessing to the nations. And although Abraham was a pagan, he was a moon worshiper, and he had no idea where he was going, he went. And God did bless him. And through his descendants, God did send a son, the Lord Jesus, through whom would be the blessing for all the peoples of the world. God, in his grace for Moses, sent him to be the representative savior and deliverer for his people Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And although Moses was woefully inadequate for the task, he went and God did it. And God would then send another prophet like Moses, the Lord Jesus, who would eternally save and deliver his people from the slavery of sin. God in his grace for David sent him to the throne of Israel to conquer the nations. And although David was a moral failure, God still exalted his kingdom and pointed to a future son of David, King Jesus, whose reign would be the everlasting ruler of the universe in true righteousness. God, in his grace for Israel, he sent his people to be a light for the nations that that might reach to the end of the earth. And although Israel as a nation was unfaithful to their covenant and to God's mission, God brought forth from Israel the Lord Jesus, who would be the faithful and true light of the world. God in his grace for Isaiah sent him to bring good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted. And although Isaiah was terrified by his own sinfulness, God still sent him. And he prophesied that God would send a suffering servant, the Lord Jesus, who would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, and that through his wounds, we would be healed. And God, in his grace for John the Baptist, sent him to prepare the world for the arrival of the promised Savior. And although John was a social outsider, he went and made straight the way of the Lord. I mean, get this, all these people had their share of sinful scars. 
And yet God sent them anyway because their purpose was to point to someone else, to the Lord Jesus. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Verse John 4, the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all my many years of faithful Sunday school attendance, I managed to learn just one scripture. <laughs> but it was a good one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's true. God loves the world. But in that same chapter, John chapter 3, you look at verse 35, we get a broader perspective on God's love for the world. It says that the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. The Father loves the Son and has given everything into his hand. Missiologist Steve Hawthorne writes, It's true that the Father loves the world so much that he gave his Son. Yet, the greater love is that the Father loves the Son so much that he gives him to the world. It tips the balance a bit in an important way, I think. He loved his Son so much that he gives him to the nations in order that through the gospel he can give the nations to his son. The father will bring to the feet of Jesus people from all nations so that they also can believe in the Lord Jesus and experience his saving grace and love him as well. So God has chosen people from all nations for himself to give them to his son. And how has he determined to bring that about? By sending his kingdom people to go and show them the gospel and tell them the gospel. In 2018, due to a visa problem, Lisa and I had to move back to Texas from Shanghai. And so we chose to move to Plano. You may wonder, why would you do that? We had three main reasons. One, we wanted to be closer to our family. Two, we wanted to live in a region that had more East Asians. And three, we wanted to be part of this church. So we're so glad we did. And yet, almost as an afterthought, after we were here, I realized God had placed us in a particular neighborhood with particular neighbors that he loved and he wanted me to love also. But I was slow to cooperate and I had good excuses. See, I was adjusting to reverse culture shock. I was busy traveling and writing. I was catching up on family time. I was learning to navigate Plano's potholes. I had no time for neighbors. And the Lord was relentless. He just kept gently reminding me, Kevin, you're, you're walking past your nearby neighbors while traveling across oceans back and forth to serve Chinese far away. That was so hypocritical to ignore the people all around me 
for this faraway mission. So I needed to meet and get to know my nearby neighbors because those are the people God also loves and he wanted me to love. So I slowly became more present in our neighborhood. And about a year ago at Christmas, uh, we took some small gift bags to our households around in our neighborhood. And, but, you know, trying to establish conversations is a bit awkward. So this late last spring, I had the idea, maybe we could host a neighborhood block party outdoors. But I was a little unsure if anyone would be interested. I was nervous about neighbors perhaps rejecting me. So I did what any courageous husband would do, and I asked my wife, Lisa, would you go and invite everyone door to door? And fortunately, she did. And so when the day of the party came, we prepared a table with some snacks and drinks, and we were so surprised to see neighbors come. We had over a dozen neighbors come, and they were enjoying the conversations with one another so much that What was originally scheduled to be just a 90-minute come-and-go turned into a a two-and-a-half-hour party for which everyone stayed. And since that time, we've had so many meaningful conversations with our our neighbors. It was just an awakening moment for me that people everywhere, all around us, God has prepared them to experience his love, and he's going to do that by sending us to them. So it's always easier to stay home and to to remain with your your comfortable group of friends and family rather than to go out and meet people and do the the time it takes to build the new friendships. But when we go for the sake of the gospel and we join him in his mission, we discover that there are many people out there that he loves and he wants us also to love. As Jesus gathered his first followers, he told them, you will be sent. Matthew 4, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Which meant just like you cast your nets to catch fish, I want you to cast the gospel and catch people. So to follow Jesus is to be sent by Jesus to join him on his mission. He didn't just gather his men around him and say, okay, looks like we have a a good small group here, Uh, so let's uh, form a Jesus club. We'll meet weekly and share deeply with one another our thoughts. He did not come to simply create a new community of believers. He came to create a new community of believers who would join him on the mission. That's our calling. As his resurrection Uh, Subsequent to that, he appeared to his disciples and confirmed again, John 20, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And in the Great Commission, Jesus promised his presence as well. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I am with you always. It's not like a dad that would send his four-year-old out the door to find his own way on the first day of school. No, he's the kind of dad that that comes alongside and carries the backpack and holds our hand and speaks to us gently all the way into the classroom until we're comfortable. He walks with you into the mission field, whether it's next door or around the world. 
He sends us. And that sending is actually a calling to come be with him. And he promised his spirit for us on this kingdom mission. John 16, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So follow this sending idea. The Father sent his Son. And the Father and the Son sent the Spirit And the Son and the Spirit send the church. And so when we, the church, go in the power of the Spirit and let the light of His grace shine through us to the world through the good news we share and the good works that we do, the result will be that people from all nations will praise and worship and glorify God. That's the outcome God is after. And with those nations that believe, he brings them to the feet of Jesus, that all may worship him. This is the kingdom mission of Jesus, and this is the purpose of the church. Old Testament scholar and missiologist Christopher Wright has written, it's not that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. This is why we exist as a church family in this place and at this time. It is to join in the mission of Jesus. That's why he's gathered us together. And by the way, have you noticed God is bringing the nations to our neighborhoods? I find this very exciting. If you look at the racial demographic change in Plano over the past two decades, it's impressive. This city of 290,000 people is becoming more racially diverse. For example, Plano is 22% Asian. That is triple the national average. Hallelujah! Right? Another one. One out of four Plano residents was foreign-born. Praise the Lord! This creates so many new opportunities for us to serve people and show the grace of God to them. You know, you can be involved in reaching the nations by just going out of your front door. Four years ago, Garrett and Amanda Giles, members of this church body, they were part of a small group that helped equip them to get engaged with the people that are lost all around them, including those who were recently immigrated. And as they consistently prayer walked, they discovered an apartment complex that was primarily comprised of recently immigrated Burmese Rohingya Muslims. And this apartment complex is only 30 minutes away from here. And as they began to spend time there and prayer walked and met people, Over these four years, they've developed very meaningful friendships with four different Rohingya Muslim families. And they've invited them and hosted them for dinners in their home. 
And they've been invited to dinners in the homes of their new friends. And they've prayed for specific requests. And they've served them. And they've shared the gospel with them. And they've loved them well. And eventually one of these fathers shared with them that 12 years ago he had a dream of Jesus. Jesus came to him in a dream and promised I'm going to do something good for you, specific. And then 12 days later, it happened. And so they were asking Garrett and Amanda, would you pray that that Jesus would come to us again in a dream? I mean, if you were to ask Garrett and Amanda, they would say, definitely, God has sent us to that apartment complex. And by the way, they're continuing to go and would welcome any of you who might have interest in joining them. So if you'd like to learn more, just meet them in the foyer. They'll be at the Cultivate Leadership table. You see, we can join Jesus on his mission. But first, we're going to have to leave our comfortable hiding places. We must ask God to fill our hearts with his spirit of love for all people and all nations. We must acknowledge our inadequacies and our failures, and our fears, and just surrender those to Jesus. We must make room in our hearts and our schedules to meet people whom we have not yet met in order that we might love them. And we must act. We must take that walk across the street. We, we, we need to send that message. We need to invite them over. We need to listen well. I mean, I just wonder of all the problems and worries that we carry around, if those problems and worries might become smaller if we turned our attention to the lost people all around us. God is a sending God. And His sending is the first step of His saving those who will believe so in his grace and wisdom, he has determined that his global mission to glorify his son will only be accomplished as his people go. So let's go. <laughs> this is the vision of our church family, to be his kingdom people who join Jesus in his mission, to let the light of his grace shine through us, to the world through the good works we do and the good news that we share, the result being that all the nations will glorify him. So this is how we make disciples who make disciples. And this is how we plant churches that will plant churches so that all the nations will bring glory to the God that we know and love. Now, let's, let's get practical. Are you ready for this? Here's my list. Seven steps. Practical steps to join in the mission of God. These are things you can begin doing today, this week. First, pray for specific nations to receive the gospel. Do you have a nation on your heart? If not, ask the Lord to put one there. Choose one. Just begin to pray. Learn more about that nation. Pray that that nation will open and receive 
the gospel. Number two, become a friendly neighbor and meet the people who live around you. Take your dog on a walk around your block. Take your child on a walk around. Ride your bike. Uh, Borrow someone else's dog and take it for a walk around your neighborhood. (laughs) Just be out there. Be visible. Be a friendly neighbor. Three, add the names of your family. uh, Add the names of your neighbors to your prayer list. This has really helped me develop more and more love for the people that live around me. Number four, Get involved in community service. So many inroads already laid into the community where there are many needs. You can just identify what are some of your passions and get involved in meeting people and serving them, letting the light of Jesus shine through you. Number five, invite a non-Christian acquaintance to coffee just to get to know them better. You say, I don't have time for that. Well, let me just encourage you, whatever next church activity you were planning to attend, cancel that and instead set a coffee appointment with a non-believer. I just think sometimes we get so busy in good things that we have no time for the most important things, including reaching out to non-believers. Number six, learn how to prepare your testimony in an effective, brief manner. I mean, most of the time, the testimonies we have opportunities to share, they have to occur in about a 15-second, 20-second window. So if you had to reduce something clear, succinct, meaningful that Jesus has done in your life, how would you say it in 20 seconds? Work on that and be prepared for those opportunities God will give you to share. And then finally, get to know our missions and missionaries and pray for them. And support them. I mean, can you imagine if our entire church family got involved in participating in the mission of Jesus? I mean, how thrilling would that be that we would have the joy of bringing the nations to the feet of Jesus so that all together we could celebrate him? You know, this is where history is heading. Revelation 5, Revelation 7. Behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If you believe in Jesus... You will be there. Let's see if we might bring others along with us as well. Let's pray together. King Jesus, you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So, of course, you alone are worthy and deserving of our greatest praise and adulation. Father, we get so distracted. We get so preoccupied with lesser things. So, Lord, today we, we acknowledge that. We repent of that. We've made so many excuses 
for not engaging with the lost world all around us. But today, Lord, we're asking you to change our hearts. Help us love the people you love. Help us say yes and join you in that mission field. And Lord, in our weakness, we just offer our lives to you. Fill us, Holy Spirit, now with your love for all people, all nations. And may we recognize our, our daily life is a sending commission from you to go to work, to walk into the neighborhood, to go to school. We're on a mission journey with you constantly. Open our eyes to see people the way you see them and to love them the way you love them. That your light might shine through us. That they too could experience your saving grace. Oh Lord, I pray today for Citizens Church that you will awaken in us a new fire, a new passion, a new zeal to join you in this mission. And that this would be what we live for. Not just to see our own needs met and our own problems resolved, but we would just put that aside for the moment in order to walk with you into the harvest field and be involved with the loving people you gave your life for. Father, help us take those first steps this week that you might be glorified in all things. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.